Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Okay, so welcome to the Champagne Sharks. This is Kenny. Um, I'm here with longtime, longtime friend and a friend of the show and a very important guest, someone that I've been wanting to bring on for a long time, Evie Blanco of SYL Media. What does SYL Media stand for, Evie? It stands for a lot of things. Um, the primary thing it stands for is something you live. Exactly. So I, I, I knew that already, but I just wanted to put you in there. So I'm introducing Evie. Uh, Evie has a long history in hip hop, media. Man, what have you, you've, you've done everything. You actually did work with Vibe Magazine at one point in time, right? I actually did work with The Source. The Source. Okay. Okay. And you've been doing um, PR work. You've been doing, you've been, a, well, I ain't going to put her on the spot, but she's also a former MC. I ain't going to put you on the spot. So we're going to say former. So she's, <laughs> yeah. she's a former MC. Um, you're doing something you live, SYL Media. What else do you have going on? Um, I have SYL Media. I have the Blanco Division, which is my firm, my PR firm. But right now, I'm just super focused on the launch of my website and, you know, just just building this brand. You And you have the power to actually break artists. Like, you actually worked with one of my favorite, a couple of my favorite artists, um, Pounds. Yup. So you yep. work with Pounds, who's at a, uh, Rochester, Rochester, New York? Yes. You work with Pounds. You've worked with, uh, I guess you can call him your brother. I mean, everybody knows. Well, everybody don't know, but you're really, 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 really good friends and family members with Mayhem Loren of the outdoorsmen action bronson and that whole clique so yeah been around for a long time so i brought evie on because one is she's family but also two to actually break try to get her out to the masses and let people know that when i looked at your website syl media i was impressed so one of the things i love i'm from the old school so i love you know the back in the days of word up magazine source magazine double xl murder dog like you open the magazines and you just see, you know, everything is right there in your face. Even the ads, you know, remember back in the day, the ads, like if you like Carl Kanai clothes or Woo Wear or uh, FUBU, even the ads look good. That's how I look at your website and everything is great. Like on the latest one, one of the things that I want to see was how people were covering uh, the death of uh, Virgil Abloh. Right. And for, and for those that don't know, Virgil Abloh is... I mean, I don't know how you, I mean, I look at him as a visionary. He's an artist, uh, someone that has brought uh, hip hop, um, hip hop culture. And I guess you can call it, um, I guess, exquisite fashion together. Right. You know, he was what was he was he like a marketing um, some type of marketing person for for um, Louis Vuitton. He started Pyrex Vision, the clothing line that was around. That was probably around what, 2015, 2014? Mm hmm. Yo, Virgil, not only did he do fashion and not not only did he fuse fashion and hip hop together, but he also did art. He also um, he's actually behind some of the most famous covers in hip hop that I didn't even fully know that um, he was responsible for that. But um, I just learned this the other day. Like he, 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 he's the, if, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, creative director um, for the Watch the Throne cover. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's just like, 
one of them, but there's there's actually a bunch. I'm gonna look it up, but um, he designed several hip hop covers that I, I know that he did one for West Side Gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's he's not only just done fashion and, and hip hop, but he's also designed art. You know? Yeah, I know. I know he did the Bad Not Good album. He did that one, I believe. Yep. He did Watch the Throne. He did the one for Pop Smoke that people, you know, didn't like. Yep, yep he did that <laughs> one. Uh, he, he also did the Kanye West um, Beautiful Dark Fantasy. He did that one as well. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he actually did the ASAP Rocky. Yeah, ASAP Rocky. Yeah, yeah. ASAP. So, so you know, the thing about hip hop and culture, because you, you, me, and you talk about these things all the time, even offline. We talk about fashion, shoes, you know, all this kind of stuff that plays into the the tenets of hip hop culture. You know, and a lot of young people, or just a lot of people, period, might know him because of the Off White brand that he he did with Nike. So, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Off White, he partnered with Jordan Brand. Nike, if you see the dunks with all the ropes on them, the different color ropes and stuff like that, um, that's off-white. That's, you know, Virgil Abloh. I have a pair, luckily. Um, <laughs> and I'm and I'm not selling them either. I'm keeping them. So, but that's Lucky. the type of work he's done. It's very, you know, it's the type of shoes that are quick strike. It's hard to get, but if you can get them, they're worth, I don't know, four, five hundred, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, so, they're worth a lot. They're hard to, they're hard to get. Yeah, they're very hard to get. Um, and hopefully, you know, Nike keeps doing the off-white brand. I was looking online uh, yesterday because one of the things that you and you and I know this both in the sneaker game, you know, once something like that happens, like when Kobe died, the shoes are going to just skyrocket the price, yeah, the right. resale price. And I was looking online and the, the resale price hasn't skyrocketed. So it's been kind of like staying, you know, the typical uh, average price for some of his shoes. Thank God, because I think everybody should have access to them, at least for a reasonable price. I don't expect Nike to um retro them and nothing like that yeah. you know i don't i don't expect it. well i don't expect nike to give a damn anyway you know what i'm saying nike don't care nike only cares about selling shoes it's not their it's not their idea to cater to sneaker heads and, and things like that i mean they try every now and then they'll they you know, try every now and yeah. then but they but they they they're big their fan base is is it's all about you know uh influence being an influencer that's what nike nike as a brand has been doing and virgil abloh is the perfect influencer for nike you know nike Went from Kanye. A lot of people thought that when Kanye left Nike, that that was going to be the end of uh, Nike as an influencer brand. But then they signed Travis Scott and everybody knows Travis Scott's shoes are crazy. And then they yep. got Virgil Abloh. So. And John C. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what was her name? Uh, Tanache. She had a shoe. Tanache. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know Tanache had a shoe. She had a Jordan. I think it was a Jordan 2. This was years ago. This is probably like around 2013, 2014. Say word. Yeah, but I don't. But back then, that was like I think she was before all of them, except maybe Kanye. Like she had a shoe with Jordan brand, and now even Billie Eilish has a Jordan uh, Jordan Fifteen. Yeah. So they're getting it in, you know what I'm saying? But man, so where are you from? Tell everybody where you from. I'm from Corona, Queens. Um, but I've been everywhere in New York. You know, I'm I'm just I'm so New York is is never gonna leave my soul, my spirit, my body. So I now I'm in Florida. But which um, like which all New Yorkers go to retire in Florida. Let's keep it real. I mean, hello. <laughs> yes, they do, but I'm not retired, you know. I'm I'm hella wired. So I'm just traveling wherever I have to go now that my daughter is, you know, is two and I'm able to comfortably leave her with my mom for a couple of days. But now I travel more. So, you know, I'm 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 not ready to retire for a long time. I'm just here because my family is here. The first I met Evie, when I met Evie, she was living in Jamaica, Queens. Yup. She was living in Jamaica, Queens. This was what, 20, oh my God, 2011? 2014, 2014. 2014? Yup. 
Damn. So 2014, she was living in Jamaica, Queens. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole rundown of how I met her. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk to <laughs> it's not important how I met Evie, Evie <laughs> but uh, just say that we we know mutual people or we used to know mutual people. Right. And through that, me and Evie became hella cool. And I think I even sent you some pirated music a few times, too. I don't I feel bad about sure, that. You definitely went I don't, I'm not going to say who music it was. but <laughs> I almost said it, but then I was like, nah, nah, nah. nah don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I mean, not do that. <laughs> I, we've shared pirated music before, and she's connected to Mayhem. I met Mayhem when Mayhem was here in Portland. Him in action and just good people. Uh, Rock Marciano, a um, bunch of people. Oh, um, Buck Wild. Oh, yeah, Buck. Uh, that's, that's Buck Wild. For those who are familiar with Buck Wild, hip-hop producer, legend in hip-hop. So if you're familiar with Buck Wild, but you've been all around with, with hip-hop, like you've been all around the New York scene. And what, what would you say is the difference between, well, I mean, it's probably self-explanatory, but the hip-hop scene in New York City compared to Florida. I mean, it's a huge difference, you know, like New York is, is you know, New York is the mecca of hip-hop and it's just different. It's is. I'm not going to say it's boom bap because truthfully, there's so many different types of subgenres within that genre now. So um, New York is kind of more like, um, I don't know, it's very it's back then I would have said, oh, it's boom bap and Florida is, you know, ratchet trap. But that's that's not really the case, you know, because New York now has drill. Right. New York has, um, you know, New York got turn up music too. New York got still got the boom bap, and now you know this gritty, yo, this whole gritty shit has just come to like the forefront of hip hop, where lo-fi is cool again, and right, right. that boom bap and no drums and all that shit. That shit is cool again. Um, Florida is is you know it's is down south, so. They turn up here in the South, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, you, but and, you know, I think, you know, the similarities you see is that it's embraced. Like, so whatever brand of hip hop that is uh, popping in Florida uh, and, you know, they're all it's all different. Whether you're in Orlando, Tampa, Miami, it ain't they ain't all the same. You know, if you're um, in, I think I believe isn't uh, Kodak Black is from Orlando or at least the Orlando area. I don't know if Kodak is from or, or actually from Jacksonville. I think he's from Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Duval County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Florida embraces. Everything that comes from Florida. Right. So like Orlando fucks with the Miami, the Miami type of hip hop. Like um, Tampa, their scene, their scene is really dope because they embrace a lot of Florida hip hop, but they embrace a lot of boom bap shit. They embrace a lot of New York hip hop, too, as well. So their hip hop scene is different from, um, you know, from Orlando because they really they really, really fuck with um, New York hip hop. Right. And and I noticed that um, when it comes. So this is a question because you're from New York. Now, one of our co-hosts, he's from Brooklyn um, and we've asked him this question and he agreed. Do you agree that the reason why New York hip hop has not and I believe I think New York hip hop is popping more than people think it is. It's just that we're so used to having that big mainstream star from New York, a Biggie Smalls, a Busta Rhymes, you know, somebody like that. Do you think that one of the reasons why we don't have that anymore is because there is no cohesion in New York? Like people just aren't together. People. Well, that's a tough question. Um, I think that some people do unite, but I think that people in New York are are always just too obsessed with being that dude, being the king, who's, right. who's the best, who's the illest. And, you know, in the South, I kind of feel like they do that a little bit, but 
embrace each other and what they're all doing a lot more. Um, and plus, New York is constantly trying to tap into everybody else's sound. So without admitting it, though, without admitting it, of course, <laughs> you know, you right? Admit it. <laughs> right. That's definitely, you know, plus we in a different era. So, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, when it comes to like the South, first, this, I'm going to give New York uh, some sympathy because it's just New York. New York is just New York. It's not New York and Philly. It's not New York and Boston. It's not New York mm-hmm. and Connecticut. It's just New York compared to the South. That's Florida, Georgia, Texas, Tennessee, yep. uh, Missouri. Yeah, Louisiana. You might they some people even consider like Chicago is almost like the South. Like nobody, I never hear anybody call Chicago the Midwest. We know it's the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But when I hear the music, it sounds like Memphis. It sounds like Texas. It sounds like a lot of different stuff from the South and they can come together with all of these rappers from the South compared to New York. It's almost like the rules have been set different for the New York rappers that there can only be one. So there can only be Jay-Z. It can't be Jay-Z and LL. Now they got a beef. It can't be Jay-Z and um, Busta Rhymes. Now they got a fake beef. Not not saying they have beef, but I'm just saying as an example, it, it was it's never been a time where it was okay to have I think there was a time in the early 90s, but I think as time went on, it almost seemed like there had to be just one top dude out of New York compared to out here on the West Coast. You got Snoop, Ice Cube, Kendrick, uh, the Bay Area, which is an entirely different situation compared to L.A. And then you got McLemore up in Seattle, a couple of other dudes. I think that out here, people are allowed to just have their individual, their little niche group. Like, it's not cool to be a New York rapper like, you know, like Griselda. Griselda is New York, but mm-hmm. then people will say, oh, yeah, but them niggas from, Buff- from Buffalo. Who cares? But you know something, yo, it's real special with Griselda because Buffalo, you know, they put Buffalo on the map. That's true. You feel me? Buffalo was not, nobody was talking about fucking Buffalo. Not since Rick James. Right, exactly. Nobody was fucking <laughs> talking, <laughs> nobody was talking about fucking Buffalo and yo, Buffalo is is it right now. You know what I'm saying? They put Buffalo on the fucking map. Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's special because they deserve that. And they did the right thing. Like, I didn't know that uh, Griselda signed Boldy James. Oh, wow. How did, how did you know that? Yeah, I just found I found that out uh, yesterday that they signed Boldy James. And, you know, they're all there's this, it's like these conglomerates. So you got Griselda, you got uh, of course, they're signed to Eminem. So they're on Shady. And then they signed Boldy James. Alchemist is involved in all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they have this little click of, you know, what I'm saying rappers and influence. They have this well, influence. They still signed to Shady, to be honest with you. I'm not oh. even sure. Oh, wow. I'm not even sure if they're still signed to Shady. Um, they actually signed Rome Streets too. Oh damn! So they really don't need to be signed to Shady. I don't. I don't, I don't think th- they are. I they- never thought that was a good move. Anyway, I think I thought it was a good co-sign, but I never really thought that that was like a. I mean, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Who else is shi- signed to Shady be- that you know? I think it was a good move because I think that that's definitely one of the reasons why they attracted so much more attention from so many other people who That's matter. true. So, because at one point in time, they were this uh, like niche underground, like everything that they will put out, sell out within seconds. Like if, you, okay. if they put records out, if they put merch out, it would be sold out. But yeah, they got a cult, a cult following, but yeah. now they just, they're just more recognized by right. so many more people. And it's, it's just crazy because this type of hip hop, this type of hip hop was not 
as accepted by the industry several years ago. Oh, no, no, no. I, you wasn't going to get it's on, like, um, Hot yo, 97 now, or nothing like that. Now it's just, you know, now it's widely accepted. So it's it's great. It's just great that it's, that everybody- And, more, and more artists are doing it. So more yeah. artists are doing the Griselda type, not mm-hmm. the type of music, but they're the way that they've been able to uh, gather a following. It's, it's almost like they're saying to themselves, you know what? As long as we got, you know, of course, our cult following, our our, our core audience, which means they're also going to have Europe because, you know, the European fans are always going to gravitate towards whatever is on the underground here in the States. You know what I'm saying? They're right. going to gravitate towards Jay-Z and, and stuff like that. But, you know, overseas, man, they take they love the pure essence of hip hop. So, you know, I've seen an uh, Instagram post, Jay Ruta Damages in Germany. I think he lives in Germany or something like that. He's been living in Germany for a while. For like years. Yep. But they they love Jay Rue over there. So he can always do a show and make money. And yeah, I, you know, we had a conversation about this on the on the podcast, me, Vita, uh, and T, where we were talking about why hip hop isn't treated the same way as like, for example, uh Mick Jagger is probably 238 years old, right? So <laughs> <laughs> but if the Rolling Stones go on tour today, they're gonna sell out Madison Square Garden. Of course. They, they, no, they're not going to be playing at, uh, what was the name of that place? What was the one, uh, there was the one place that shows used to happen all the time in New York, but they closed it down. I forgot what it's called, but all the, all, they used to have all a bunch of shows there in New York. A little small venue, basically. Uh, no, they're going to be at the Madison, they're going to be at Madison Square Garden or well, Nassau they, they got to be at, at, at Madison. Now, there, why is it that Big Daddy Kane, um, well, Slick Rick, Rakim, Ice Cube, all of our elder statesmen, MC Light, the elder Queen Latifah. There should never be a, a, a empty seat if, if, if MC Light is performing. Well, there should, ne- there should never be an empty seat if Rakim is performing. Look, Rakim can do Peyton Full for the next 45 fucking years. He don't have to come out with new music. Just like the Rolling Stones, they ain't put no new music out. But Madison Square Garden is going to be sold out. But when Rakim performed, and I've seen, I saw Big Daddy Kane perform here in Portland in 2016. First off, he killed it. Killed so, it. He's a beast. Did you see the verses? Yes. He's a beast. Big Daddy Kane is a beast. But when at the show, they had him performing at this um, small venue. And, you know, it was cool because even though it was a small venue, it was packed. But there was only about 200 people there. Mm. And I'm like, what is what, what is it that we're doing wrong in hip hop culture to where our elder statesmen and stateswomen are not getting the love they deserve when they want to do shows. It turns into, oh man, ain't nobody trying to see that old shit. Oh man, I don't care about them old niggas. Like it turns into a bunch of hate as compared to when Bruce Springsteen performed. I guarantee you Bruce Springsteen, that shit sold out. Well, okay. Um, This might be, it might make a little sense. Maybe it doesn't, but people, especially in our culture, they might have a change of life, right? So Mm -hmm. let's say that, that, you know, that I was 20 and I was just, you know, I was just a, a big ass Mob Deep fan, you know, in, in which I, I was. Um, hypothetically speaking, I was a big ass Mob Deep fan in my 20s and everything. And then, you know, now pushing 50, pushing 48, whatever, Mob Deep got a show or have it got a show. I don't listen to gangster music anymore. True. I'm an old, I'm an older person. I live a different life. And I'm not into that no more. So guess what? I'm not going to that concert. When it comes to to Bruce Springsteen, it doesn't matter if you was young or old. They're still going to love the music. It's still going to be acceptable. So is that because of the content? Because of the content. Absolutely. But so but when you look, you know, Rakim don't cuss. Rakim Rakim Uh don't talk about killing nobody. 
Rakim don't talk about, you know, neither does uh, KRS. Right. No, neither does Slick Rick. You know what I'm saying? All of these. And, and, and or Wu-Tang. Now, one thing I will say about Wu-Tang. Don't sell they, out show. They still have that presence where they can still yeah. sell out shows now. And I believe Wu-Tang is still performing. They still perform in Madison Square Garden. You know what I mean? They're not, you know, you can't have Wu-Tang. They at, will still you know. sell out a show. Yeah. They're actually on tour right now. Well, they they just postponed all of their dates for 2021. But they're on tour right now. The, the Three Chambers tour with Jizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I've seen that. Jizza, Ghostface, and Raekwon, right? Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. But, but they, I think that Wu-Tang is different where... You know, Wu-Tang also had a big white following, too. I don't know how that happened, but they had a big, like, when if Wu-Tang came to Portland, it would be majority white kids with Wu-Tang T-shirts on. You're going to see black kids there, too. But, you know, they they was the, 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 the last group from that old school era that was able to cross over where it wasn't anything that they did. You know what I'm saying? They never changed. You know what I'm saying? But people just gravitated towards them for some reason. For some reason or another, people gravitated. But I just noticed that, you know what I'm saying, like when you see the Bruce Springsteens and you see the, um, you know, all those artists that ain't made no good, no new music in 30 years. I mean, but maybe their music was that timeless, but I'm a hip hop head. So to me, paid in full is timeless. It is timeless. You know, it's, it's timeless and it's not something that, um, I don't know, I think we just don't do a good job of passing down hip hop to the next generation. We don't. Um, we, we, we don't pass it down and we don't make it important. It's not important to the next generation that what what these people did to make it towards. We do have a little Uzi Vert or um, what's that boy name? Little Baby and the baby and all the babies. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? All the babies exist because of somebody else that was seeing it like Bow Wow. You know what I'm saying? You can consider him like little baby or the baby of back in the day. You know what I'm saying? He didn't rap like them, but being a young dude and, you know, him, little Romeo, all these little young rappers or whatever, got these little young names, even Lil Wayne. You know what I'm saying? So I just noticed that I was like, you know, something's got to change because it's- it's Something's got to change because I feel like our people just don't see the value in, you know, in seeing some of the legends perform. I mean, I see the damn value. And if I know pre-COVID, if I know of a show, you know, I'm going to want to, I'm definitely going to want to pull up. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and cause I get excited now I'm in, I live in Portland, so you ain't going to really get too much, uh, too many hip hop shows here of big, like if Jay-Z is on tour, Portland ain't one of the places he's coming to. He'll go to Seattle. You know what I'm saying? Like Beyonce, when she, she, I think Beyonce went on tour. What year was that? 2016, 2017. She went to Seattle. She didn't come to Portland. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when we can get uh, a dope artist coming to town, I'm always trying to go. You know what I'm saying? It's just not very often. Plus, with COVID, the COVID restrictions and rules in Portland and or- the state of Oregon, a little bit different than everybody else. So everywhere else. I mean, the last big show I went to was um, Dave Chappelle. That was a while ago. Dave Chappelle so came to town. Dave Chappelle live. Yeah, Dave Chappelle live. He performed for like three hours. Like, it got to the point where I was like, okay, this nigga ain't even funny no more. I just want to go home. <laughs> like, it's not funny no more, bro. You're doing, you're torturing us on purpose. Like, this is not, this is not real. You know what I'm saying? You are, you also are interested in, and in, in you, from what we, we talked about off, off air, that you're going to be starting a podcast yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm very interested in starting a podcast. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long ass time um, because I did want to do radio back in the day. But, you know, I just shifted my my ideas and my career in another direction with journalism and and PR. But I still want to do a podcast because I feel like I have a lot of things to to express and um, that my voice should be heard. And um, it's something I'm working on. 
Yeah, you know, um, I got in, we got influenced. I know I was by Combat Jack. Yeah. Uh, when I first heard Combat Jack's podcast, it was one of the I couldn't believe that anybody was having was having these conversations about hip hop um, because I was always used to hearing, you know, the the typical Hot 97 Ebro, you know, the mainstream conversation. I never got a chance to see uh, hear stories. I love hip hop stories. So I wanted to hear how did Big Daddy Kane get started and how people became who they became. I didn't know the story of Big Daddy Kane. I didn't know that Big Daddy Kane wrote wrote Biz's uh, rhymes. I had no idea. I've never heard that before, you know. So for him to get on and tell those stories, I thought I think that that's also valuable to um, the way we hold hip hop up and the legacy of hip hop, you know, because every year, you know, you see people, you know, posting on uh, online. Happy birthday, hip hop, you know, the, the, the birthday and things like that. But then after that, it's like, OK, well, let's just go back to letting someone else control the narrative about how this came came to be and what's popping. Yeah, Hello? we got. Oh, there you go, Vita. Hey, Vita. Hey. So, Vita, this is uh, Evie Blanco. Now, Evie has SYL Media, gotcha. and we were just in here talking about so her website. Like, it reminds me of the way things used to be. Like when you would open a magazine, and everything was right there for you. You know what I'm saying? Like you would open up X Double XL Magazine, Vibe Magazine. It reminds me more of Vibe Magazine than anything because it's it, it's it's hip hop, but it's more or less like elegance. You know, mm-hmm. vibe was more about elegance as compared to like double XL was more grime, grimy hip hop. The source was more grimy hip hop. You know, it doesn't it didn't really give any um, access to like R&B or any type of like fa- even fashion. I mean, unless it was like hip hop fashion, because even though you have fashion in here, like you have the Beyonce, Ivy Park and Adidas collection. Mm-hmm. That's not really hip hop. No, it's not. Well, SYL, it stands for something you live. So if you live fashion, that's, you know. That's this is the spot. If you live hip hop, the spot. If you live to travel, then you know we have travel content. So it's I don't. This is definitely created around surrounded by hip hop, but I don't want to just limit it to only hip hop. So I want to have music of different genres. Like I'm talking about black and brown shit, though. You know what I'm saying? Like Afrobeat, right. like reggae, like R and B. Um, you know Latin music and and the reggaeton artists. All of those. All of those things I want to be a part of SYL. So when it comes to fashion, I don't just I don't just focus on hip hop fashion. I want to focus on, you know, plus size, plus size fashion. I want to focus on, you know, um, a young black entrepreneur who just created a fashion line and, you know, she needs more exposure. And I think she's dope. So I'm going to feature her and, and write an article about her and feature her collection um, on the website, you know, so this is just a place where the primary focus is dope content that is relatable and that is good for us to see. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to talk about gossip. I'm not going to talk about Will and Jada, you know, (laughs) man, listen, let me tell you, (laughs) Google won't stop. Listen, I've been trying to figure out how to stop these damn Google news alerts about them. I don't even pay attention to them niggas. And somehow every time Will talks about some bullshit about his dick or where he put it, somehow I get an alert for it. I don't know why. Oh, my God, that is so annoying. Wait, Will did what? I was just saying some shit. Don't oh, oh, okay. I'm say, I know this nigga. He he done already disrespected himself talking about he's jealous of Tupac. Tupac been dead 30 years. Bro, talking just, about Tupac. Well, to be fair, people are taking excerpts out of a full-on memoir. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. not like 
It's not like he's just like doing all these interviews to, just to talk about his um, jealousy of Tupac. I think it's oh, like okay. he's trying to, they're trying to promote this memoir. So what happens is all these blogs, because and they all copy each other, uh, except for yeah, SYL Media. They're dope. <laughs> SYL Media is dope. So we're not no, talking yeah, about No, yeah, there's no copycat um, stuff in here. Then we are talking about them at all, but you, but but just probably why you created SYL to be honest, which you see all this bullshit. The reason, yeah. So all these other sites are putting out bullshit, and they're taking excerpts and you know these headlines, clickbait headlines, and all this dumb shit. So you focus on dumb shit. Like Will Smith has accomplished so much in his career. Jada, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has accomplished so much in their careers, and we know more about their sex lives than anything else at this point. Right, and to me. Look, that shit is corny. I worked in in a good number of publications and websites and, you know, big places in the past. And it was it was good experience, you know, in the beginning. But it's really shitty when you don't have the freedom to write about the things that you feel are relevant or the things that you're passionate about because they want you to just focus on gossip. They wanted to just focus on the mainstream music. So basically. Um, in my experience working for other publications, they kind of just want you to post the same fucking shit that's on every other blog. Like they would even send me links from, from other blogs, um, from other blogs and tell me wow. paraphrase, paraphrase and post this. And I'm like, yo, I don't, you know, um, no, that's real. I used to actually um, have my own. I had started my own hip hop publication years ago for the same reason you created SYL. But um, we folded for a number of reasons. That lane is super hard. So I just think <laughs> I admire you for doing it at all. But Thank absolutely. You, like I remember um, my business partner, he was writing for uh, hip hop was a hip hop dot com no not hip hop it was one of those hip hop site dot com or something like hip hop or hip hop he wrote he did write for hip hop dx as well and he the reason why we started our publication was because um they wanted him to write dumb shit little goofy stories lists that were disrespectful to black people and hip hop mm-hmm. and so he pitched this idea that uh it was actually my idea but he pitched it to his uh team to the uh to the ed we called editor in chief and so yeah. he, he uh, pitched it to them. Um, he wants to write a list of rappers who own businesses in their communities and um, and businesses that weren't nightclubs and stuff like that, like actual brick and mortar businesses like barbershops and health food stores and things like that. They said nobody would click it. They don't so they, care about that. They, they don't care about that's that. That's exactly they what they said. They said nobody, they, they didn't want to post that because nobody's interested. No, so, but is, then, uh-huh, go ahead. This is where, this is where that that type of article, that type of pitch would come to me and I'm interested in that because that's beneficial to our knowledge. I was just going to say because I'm, I've looked on the website, I think it was yesterday. I, I look at the website all the time, but uh, somebody wrote an article about gentrification in Washington, D.C. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? And the, con- they're contrasting the way the way Washington, D.C. used to look and the way, and you know, and I, I like that article because it's the same thing here in Portland. It's happening in L.A. It already happened in Seattle. It's happening mm-hmm. in Oakland. It happened in San Francisco that these developers don't care about the way uh, uh, your city used to look. I mean, it's happening. It happened in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it happened in New York. Everywhere in New York. In some of the most hood neighborhoods and the, yo, the places where, I mean, yo, gentrification happened in Washington Heights. Yeah. And a lot of establishment, a lot of establishments that have been there forever that were popular and that were ran by us for being shut down because of white people. Right. You know, and, and the gentrifiers and shit. So now like, yo, you be seeing some, you know, some white people walk around with their little puppy dogs in Harlem and shit. And it's just, it's just mad awkward, but it's happening everywhere. And, and our writer DJ wanted to, wanted to talk about that. Um, 
happening now in D.C. too. And I definitely saw it. Yeah, because I, I know there. at one point in time in the 80s, D.C. was blacker than Atlanta. Yo, D.C. was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy too. But you know what I'm saying? Like, D.C. was cho- the real chocolate city. I mean, yep. I think, I guess the blackest city in America now is in Atlanta and probably uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, but Detroit has its own issues or whatever. But um, I, I, I like that because, it's like you said, it's not just about hip hop. It's about our lives. Like you said, something you live like this is this affects our lives, like the way that we're portrayed in media, the way that we're portrayed in all the things that we do. It actually affects us. And it's uh, it's a detriment. For example, uh, everybody knows I work in schools. Right. So I have these kids that I work with and I don't know what their deal is, but um, they're the type of kids that walk the hallways all day. They don't go to class. You know what I'm saying? And I'm in a school where there's only 94 black kids, right? Wow. Uh, these four kids are all black. They're black, but they all walk around. So I looked inside of their uh, transcript to see what their GPA is. I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't good. These are juniors. They have 1.4 GPAs. Oh, that's so not good. trying to figure out how can we reach these kids? But then I started finding out, well, they come from North Portland, which is where I come from. But their house that they were renting got sold and they had to move way out in the middle of nowhere. And now they've been bouncing around from school to school. So this is happening nationwide, you know, and you can relay that to hip hop. I mean, at one point in time, like I said, you know, you go see Big Daddy Kane, it'd be a good show and it'd be, it would be Big Daddy Kane, Stacey Latislaw or, or Keith Sweat. You get an R&B group, you get a hip hop act and maybe Sinbad, you know, <laughs> like a comedy relief or something like that. Whereas now you don't get that. You know what I mean? You get, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the hip hop that we do get because they only doing what they know. You know what I mean? The hip hop artists today that are coming out, some of them just don't know no better if it ain't no good. And some of them are going to promote certain things because they know it's sell. You know, it's not coming from the it's not coming from the spirit, you know. So but I don't blame them, you know, what I'm saying because the system was set up for them to be able to to get away with that. Whereas when when you police your own culture, you don't have to worry about that happening. I want to add to um, that what you just said. Also, what um, Evie said a second ago, because uh, just like I was talking about that same uh, publication, Hip Hop DX, I denied that one article that my friend pitched and didn't get, which we ended up posting, by the way. And it ended up getting, oh, a, it ended up being, um, we, well, we posted on our website. And so when we did it, funny enough, it got a lot of traction because all those rappers and local politicians from those communities really liked it and they shared it. So it ended up blowing up off of our little website that nobody really fucking knew. But that same publication, Hip Hop DX, did write an article of the top 10 most dangerous cities and the rappers that come from them. Wow. And they got all these YouTube videos of these like underground rappers but who ain't talking about nothing but killing each other not even like popular rappers they're like these like underground sort of rappers are talking about killing and homicides and you know it was just insane like wait a minute you'll post that bullshit with the by the way most of these hip-hop sites demographics are not black no 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 No, and most of them and most of them are not even ran by black and brown people not at all or this is i'll say what happened with hip-hop dx the owner at the time at least was middle eastern the editor in chief was a black guy, but it was a certain type of black guy. That's mm. what I always try to tell people. Just because you see a black face doesn't mean that they're black people and they're down for black people. This was a black guy who didn't grow up around black people, who uh, was all about just getting the clicks. He didn't give yeah. a fuck about the culture. I don't think he even really grew up in hip hop culture, to be honest with you. I think he just knew a bunch of rap shit. That's um, it is which, is, which isn't hard to do because hip hop has become so mainstream that, I mean, you go look at a Walmart commercial and the theme song in the background is Baby Got Back. Right. Yep. So that's where we're at at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think that's very interesting because, you know, you know, thinking about that, I'm like, hmm, you know, I remember there was a, a time where I believe it was um, 
it was uh what's his name from um hot 97 rosenberg he got mad because west side gun has a, a mixtape called Hit- hitler wears her mess right and i right. thought that was interesting because as much music as rosenberg promotes with killing nigga this nigga that hoes bitches do drugs sell drugs and all this other kind of stuff he ain't never had a problem with that but we all know that Rosenberg is Jewish too. He's right? Jewish, so of course yeah. he had a problem. Why? Right. But I don't. What I don't like about that though is how he feels like because he's Jewish, he has a dominance say on whether or not Hitler was good or bad or whatever. Because remember, Hitler didn't just hate Jews; he hated niggas too. Right. Right. And Nazis were killing black people in Africa. Right. Before there was ever a Holocaust in Europe. Right. Are, so, so that really pisses me off when he when he does that. So I'm gonna evoke now because it's convenient. I'm gonna evoke my I'm Jewish card, and and because of that, I'm gonna denounce something that has really nothing to do with Jewish people at all. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's just it's, yeah. he does that shit when it's convenient, and, I, and, and it's like and, and people keep letting him get away with it. And you know, I knew, you know, I told everybody. I think I told you this, Evie. Um, even with Ebro, he used to be on the radio here in Portland locally. Mm-hmm. And nobody liked him because they were doing that whole morning zoo type shit. You know what I mean? You could tell he was a sellout. You know, they were doing that whole morning zoo. I remember they did a skit or a, it wasn't even a skit, but I guess it was like a little sketch or a comedy thing where they took a guy um, and they filled up a humidifier with urine and put him in a truck and locked the truck up and turned the humidifier on. Wow. Wait, you know what I'm saying? they were doing stupid stuff that? like that. Ebro. That's disgusting. And that's inhumane as fuck. Yeah, he did that. It was him and his little morning zoo crew when they were here in Portland. And then next thing I know, I turn around, he's on Hot 97. I'm like, what? wait, what? Like, who did, how did he go from Portland to Hot 97? But then when I seen the way that they, you know, the music directors are putting the music out there, it makes total sense. But you know what? Ebro's another one of them niggas. You know, he irritates me. He he likes to act all self-righteous and high and mighty in hip hop spaces. But he eggs on a lot of the same gossipy bullshit too. He does, yeah. He does, 1,000%. So I think that's just and, and and I can't even talk about the multiple times he had disrespected women. Um, remember it was like a whole episode. He's just talking shit about like I guess it was like Kim Kardashian and um Amber Rose, a bunch of them. It was like this whole list. They were playing some type of weird game, and I was like, yo, these women are like their mothers and shit. You know, it's like, like they're real even, people. They're real. Like they're, they're right, real and it wasn't yeah. even necessary. It was so disgusting. And even and I don't fuck with the Kardashians nothing like that. But even I felt like, yo, like. What the fuck are you doing? You you are participating in all the same bullshit that you claim that you are against. Right. You're, you're promoting that all that he, shit. He contradicts himself a lot. You know, I mean, I don't really fucking care about ego like that, but he does contradict himself a lot. And it's it's annoying that he just thinks his point of view is the most important point of view. Right. 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 And, you know, I, and I'm not the biggest um, I'm not the biggest fan of Funk Flex. Right. Um, I'm not even going to comment on that <laughs> because I, I, I can't. Right. But he a cornball. Yeah. Oh my God, please. Let's change the topic because I want to no, but what I was going to, well, there was a point, there was a point that I was going to make about the simple fact that, you know, people like funk flex who's, you know, whatever. But one thing I will say is when it comes to the music, now I don't know what he's doing now, but I'm, I can only speak of back in the day. He played good music. I don't even yeah. listen to Hot... You Look, I was listening to Hot 97 on Biggie Smalls' birthday. I always tune in to Hot 97 just to hear what they do. They did like a three-minute mix and it was that was it. Well, you know? on, Biggie Smalls, on Biggie Smalls' birthday, the person who used to have the best show was Mr. C. Oh, yeah, Mr. C is one of the... yeah. His was, yeah. His was always the illest. Um, yeah. Mr. C, um, Camilo always had a good set. 
but it was Mr. C. That was the highlight of, of you know, of Hot 97 that day was Mr. C set for Biggie's birthday. Yeah, Mr. C is um, a legend, legend, legend in the game, regardless of, you know, the whatever. Yeah, regardless of you know, whatever his life decisions are. Yeah, his life, his lifestyle is his lifestyle. It has nothing to do with yeah. the music. I mean, and I always tell people all the time, look, man, I don't have, if you, if you will dance to George Michael's music, and you like Freddie Mercury and you like Luther Vandross and all these other people that live the so-called alternative lifestyle, then I don't have a problem uh, listening to Mr. C's mixes because Mr. C is one of the greatest DJs of all time, period. Yeah, that shit not even, does not concern me, nor nah. does it change my love for Mr. C or nah. any of that shit. Absolutely. There's no Big Daddy Kane without Mr. C. Facts, right. Period, point blank, you know, so... Moving on. So I had a question for you because I told and I told you we were going to talk about this. Now, I'm not going to say no names. I told you I wasn't going to say any names, but there's been um, an issue with uh, and it was big time. And um, it was on Clubhouse. It was online where rappers being disgruntled with what do you call these people? The middlemen of hip hop, the middlemen and middle women of hip hop that can supposedly get things done for people. And they're taking people's money. Um, rappers are becoming disgruntled. Um, and for you, you have you have had two feet, both feet in hip hop um, as an artist and as someone that's in media. What where what is going on in hip hop where rappers don't have control over the crew? Say it again. No, this is a great question and I can't wait to answer it. So go ahead. So you know what I'm talking about, right? And you know, know who I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Wait, so, finish the question, yeah. So what is it about, what is going on in hip hop to the point to where rappers are not having control of their careers to the point to where they have to ask someone that has absolutely no talent and they have absolutely, they don't have a record label. They don't have really any influence of how music gets released or put out into the platforms at all. But this person exists and rappers are giving these people money and giving them attention to uh, take control of their careers. What's happening is that motherfuckers are clout chasing. <clears throat> so they think that because a person is coming off a jet in a picture or head to toe Louis Vuitton and fancy restaurants and seen with mainstream people or established artists and important people, they think that because these people are around these, you know, fucking surroundings, they can do big things for them. They mm. don't know exactly what I'm going to say her damn name. Go ahead. They never knew really what the fuck Karen Civil did. But Karen Civil was lit. Karen Civil had a large following. Karen Civil has a website. Every rapper knows Karen Civil. Karen Civil is great at locking in deals for herself. She's connected. So because she's connected, they assume that she's able to connect them. And that's, that's a huge that's, assumption. That's not always the case. Even in my business, even in my position, I'm nowhere near, you know, as connected as she is, but I'm going to fucking get there. However, in, in my position, if I can't help somebody level up, then I'm not, I, I you know, I don't want to do it. I'm not a selfish person. I'm not greedy. My purpose is not just to take people's money and, and run or, or take people's money and vacation. In my industry, your reputation is all that you got. And if you fuck that up, then you fucked up. You fumbled the bag big time. You know what's interesting? I actually read Karen Civil's book. A few I years have ago. it, and I, I I read like three pages, and I was like, no, sis, this is not. This is what's so. So this is the thing. I didn't know anything about her either. I I only heard of her when I started really working in hip hop journalism, and her name would keep coming up, and I would ask people, what exactly does she do? Who is she? People could never really give me an answer. I couldn't figure out how she really blew up the way she did in certain spaces because she was popping up around here all the time. Now, from what I understood, she was from the East Coast. 
She but, is from the coast. She's from Jersey. But she was always over here. So in LA, I'm in South Central. I'm over up off the she's, she, she's, con- she's connected to Nipsey. Right, but that's what we're trying to figure out. How the fuck she get over here? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, she was connected to a lot of people in LA. Um, you know, and, LA. She was connected to YG. She was connected to. She's working yeah. With I I know this. But this is the thing. When I was covering, uh, like I was covering YG's organization, she was on the board, and I remember trying to figure out how does she really get in. Like LA hip hop scene is not an easy space to get into. Because people, so I was trying to figure out how does she get into it is really what I'm trying to figure out, especially in the L.A. underground scene, because we don't it, it just operates differently than I think a lot of other spaces, because we're not like New York, where hip hop is literally everywhere. You know what I mean? So we're right. kind of a, a, like our own little community. And I, she just kind of was always around. I didn't figure out. So I read her book and I didn't really learn much more. Like, I was still kind of confused on how she got to be as prominent as she did. Do you have a little bit more insight in that? Because that's where I was kind of lost. I read her whole book and I still didn't understand exactly what she was doing and how she did it. Because I was trying to get inspiration as a person working in hip hop media. And I didn't really get it. I'm just as bewildered as you are. Oh, <laughs> because I, I mean, I know that she's worked, you know, she's worked, she works for, for Hot 97 and Funk Flex, if I'm not mistaken. She did work with, with Cameron and, and diplomats and stuff, but yeah, I know she was working in radio. I did get that from her book, but, yeah, that, but did I didn't see how, well. but everybody works in radio. Like the, I worked in radio for 10 years. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, she aligned herself with some good people and, and was put in some good positions. And as far as, um, Yo, she knows how to lock in deals and she knows how to get money, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, just because she's no, she knows how to do those things for herself doesn't mean that her intentions are pure when it comes to doing that for somebody else. And mm-hmm. in hip hop, a lot of people who are just so um, determined to to make it, you know, they're blindsided and they just they just think, yo, you know, I just want to get on. I just want to get on. I'll do anything. And I see that you're popping and I see that you're this and I see that you're that. Like, like I was, I was trying to explain earlier, like there's times when, you know, when artists come to me and they see in the past, they seen that I I was in the studio with such and such, or I was in um, a private event, you know, for whoever. I don't want to even like name names and shit like that. Cause I don't fucking care to do that, but they would see who I'm around or what I'm doing or what I did in the past for another artist. And they immediately think that those are going to be the same results that I'm going to get for them. But mm-hmm. that's not how it works. You know, and I'm talking about in 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 PR and marketing and in management, like nobody is going to get the same exact results. Nobody is going to achieve the same success. You know, it's, it's all, it yeah, always is. I, but I don't think most artists, at least they shouldn't. You would know better than me because you worked in PR. I would assume, or I would hope, I wouldn't say assume. I would hope that most artists would understand that some things work for some people and might not work for them. Results mm-hmm. are not guaranteed. Right. But I think, at least from what I heard, listening to certain people, a particular, um, what was his name? Uh, Joyner Lucas. Joyner Lucas. I don't know why I went blank. And uh, who was it? Joyner Lucas and it was another rapper. Um, but Jordan Lucas in particular, and there's a couple other people I've heard from and heard of them complaining about her in the past. And it was the same complaint, which is, well, where is the money? What exactly did you do? And I think that's what people were trying to figure out. Well, what did, well, what were your deliverables? Because any job I've ever had working in communications or otherwise, um, you always had to have deliverables. 
Like, even if we're not recording, we have to have deliverables. Well, what are you doing this week? What are you doing with the money that we're giving you? <laughs> Essentially, we're paying right. you. What's right. happening here? My boss wants a work plan every week. What I'm going to be doing that week. If I didn't get everything accomplished that week, what is my plan for the next week? I have to turn that in whenever I'm doing a project. Where was the money? So I think most people's issue with her, from what I could understand, was they couldn't see what the fuck she did. What was the work? What were the deliverables? Right. Well, because in some cases, she didn't do shit. (laughs) 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 And that's just, and that's just real shit. She didn't do shit. She just claimed that she um, delegated work to other people, other agencies, and they didn't do shit. And then, you know, that was just like... So she was able to pass the buck. Yo, she just claimed that she hired certain people to do certain things and... and hiring a vendor isn't unusual or hire a contracting certain parts out of your work isn't unusual. But if you're the person I pay, then you're in charge of making sure it gets done. So if the so, company ah, that you hired exactly. didn't deliver my tables, then the company you hired, then you need to hire a different company because I gave you money to get my tables right. delivered. Yeah. Look, the reality is, is that in, in, in this industry, in PR and marketing and advertising and fucking media, you cannot do every single thing by yourself. You have to have a team or if not, you have to outsource. And I outsource a lot, but whoever I pay has to deliver the results that, you know, we agreed upon because I'm not going to go tell my client, oh, this didn't get done because I paid somebody else to do it and they haven't given it to me or they haven't delivered what, you know, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, oh, this press release, I, I hired someone to write it and it's not done because they just haven't done it because that's right. my responsibility. Exactly. So I can't come up with, you know, with excuses and shit like that shit is just it's bogus and it's it's fucking. But she wasn't even giving excuses. She was ducking niggas calls. Yeah, she was doing that. <laughs> that's, that's, you know something and you want to hear some real shit like. On my LinkedIn and on my Facebook, I, I was a writer for her publication um, back in like 2015. And yo, when that shit happened, I had mad clients hit me up like, yo, this is not a good look. And I'm like, for who? Because I'm not affiliated with her. I wrote mm-hmm. for her blog several years ago, but I don't move like that. You know my you know my nature. You know my 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 spirit. You know my attitude. I don't. I don't do none of that. I've never done, you know, I've never done no shady shit. Like my reputation. But it, but it turns into a birds of a feather type of situation yeah, where they believe so that they because saying, you, yeah. Yo, you better call your girl. Like one client, like actually told me, yo, what's up with your girl? You better call your girl. And I'm like, who the fuck is my girl? Like, what are you talking about? Don't do that. Don't, don't affiliate me with somebody that I have. I never even had direct contact with Karen. I never spoke to her. I don't know. She, what fuck, I don't know what she did with the money. I don't fucking know. I, I, that's you know. I, but that's what's interesting though is, from what I understand, and I can understand how people get this perspective though, is they did assume she was fucking with certain people, and that's why they went to her and trusted her with their money. Uh, not only that, like they said, certain people. I don't. Well, they said people like Sky Zoo and some other people had given recommendations to work with Karen or given like Karen endorsements. So. What is it that people are supposed to... Because I know how shit works in the industry. Everything is word of mouth. It's who you know, right? Yeah. And if you don't know any better and you're new to this space, how would you know better than, than to not trust her because you see who she's associated with? You see who the birds of a feather are. I just think that you need to have a genuine conversation with the person that you're looking to work with. 
Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. You need to have a genuine conversation with the person that you're looking to work with and you got to fill them out. You can't just go, you know, you can't just hire somebody based on the people that they hang with, you know, you, and, and I don't think some of those people even had like conversations more than five minutes with her, you know, and for, for that type of money, you know, like for example, me, I don't start anything until I'm paid. But and and and, and, and Evie, I don't want to cut you off, but tell tell everybody exactly what you do for artists. I do digital marketing, digital. Um, I do branding strategy, digital marketing, advertising. I help you do your your Instagram um, engagement, your your Spotify playlist servicing. I do press releases, and you know, I basically help you release your music. Right. And you do you do all this directly yourself or you like you said also you outsource certain parts. I can do everything myself. Oh wow. I don't, I don't that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> it is. it's a lot of work. I can do everything myself, but you know, my my PR business is not my only business. You know, there's other things that I do as well and I have a, a toddler and um you know my website. So the reality is I can't do everything by myself. But my clients um, I don't advertise anymore. I like the only time that I do advertise for myself with the Blanco division is when I'm, you know, when, when I have the time, but everything is word of mouth and recommendation. So I don't even have to advertise. I'm constantly booked and busy by my clients that I've been working with for years or somebody who's been recommended by somebody else. But these people know that I'm going to deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver in PR. I, I tell I tell these artists the same thing. PR is a process. It's not a product. So when mm. you come to me for, you know, for press and you're you're expecting to land placements on, you know, notable websites and, you know, get interviews on on these places that really matter, just know that everything is a pitch. So I'm pitching to these publications hoping that they bite, hoping that they are interested. And I pitched to people that I think would like the content based on the previous content that they've covered. So I'm not going to pitch Saweetie to a writer or an editor who I only see fucking post Griselda. Right, right. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know her music. Yeah, they don't know the music and they probably don't like it. All right, y'all. So. That is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good.